This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveler, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Welcome back to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. This week's guest is the brilliant Safath Ahmed Zahir. Safath is a leading women's rights activist in the Maldives and the founder of Women in Democracy, a non-profit organization promoting gender diversity in the workplace. In this inspiring episode, Safath reflects on her upbringing in a country resisting the call of democracy. With insight and hope, Safath paints a path towards female empowerment and economic independence through her work and challenges us all to see life as a fight to right or wrong rather than a game of win or lose. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, now let's hand it over to Safath. Safath, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm I'm very excited as well. And thank you for inviting me. Of course. You know, you and I connected recently via LinkedIn and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work that you're doing in you know, the social entrepreneurship and women women in leadership space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Likewise, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Amazing. Great. So for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Tafat Omar Zahir. I am from the Maldives. <laughs> Many of you might not know, but uh, to every, uh, you know, tropical islander who wants to vacation, uh, you know, who wants to have a vacation in the, in South Asia would know that we are a very small country just uh, next to India and uh, Sri Lanka. In Maldives, we started this about uh, six to seven years ago. At the time, women's, uh, you know, rights were just surfacing, you know, in the country and people were beginning to be very concerned uh, myself being a graduate as well I was also quite you know concerned with some of the few experiences that I encountered 
So I thought, yeah, why not try to make a change? And uh, I joined up and in, in assisting to bring an organization uh, to come to life. And it was, uh, at the time, it was Women on Boards. And we primarily advocated for women's economic leadership and for women's economic empowerment in the Maldives. We were the very first you know, social movement to you know, shed light on the issue and of, you know, the difficulties and the challenges that women face in, you know, achieving economic uh, empowerment and economic prosperity as well. So, yeah, today we also have another organization, Women in Democracy, whereby we fight for women's uh, political leadership and for women's empowerment in public life. So far, it has been very good, and uh, we have had a lot of love from the country as well. I thank everybody for supporting our work, uh, and we just keep going stronger. Yeah. I love it. What you're doing is just so incredible, and I can't wait to dive a bit deeper. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, what was it like growing up in the Maldives? You know, what was that time like for you, and how has it impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Yeah, um, you know, um, coming from a very small island nation, we have a very uh, we have a lot of limitations. You know, personally, personally for me or as well, you know, I, I, I personally had a very uh, I would not say very lavish childhood, but you know, I, I, I faced a, a lot of struggle. And I, in looking back, I think uh, you know it helped me. You know, like it helped me get so many perspectives uh, to connect with people, uh, to connect. Uh, you know, in terms of empathy and uh, you know, in terms of you know, understanding others' feelings and you know the the daily struggles that we live in. And I'm very happy that you know, at a young age, I also got uh, to ex- I also got to uh, experience you know. Uh, life you know abroad as well not just in in Maldives I was very happy uh, I'm very I feel very fortunate that I got the opportunity to study abroad uh, you know I was in the UK I was in Malaysia you know I was even in China so so overall I think uh, you know it helped me gain perspective and uh, you know it helped me bring so many things that I feel so many so many uh, knowledge or, or so many things uh, that we need to put together, you know, in Maldives as well, because I got that exposure abroad and I felt that, you know, you know, maybe I could get a white collar job, but, you know, why not, you know, create something, you know, for the betterment of the people? Why not create something, you know, for our country and make, you know, entire use of our education? And, you uh, yeah, and that's what we did. <laughs> I think, you know, in answering your question, is like, you know, you know, it 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 it, it was a whole uh, mix of exposures that I, you know, endured uh, that assisted me, you know, to be where I am today, and you know, to to real, it really gave me the push, you know, like, and you know, like, you know, like I was very afraid before when I was when I was very young, you know, I used to be very scared. You know, like, because, you know, Maldives is a very reserved country at that time. Of course, we are, of course, innovating as we are moving forward. But, you know, when I was very young and when I was in uh, Malawi, we were, uh, you know, LDC country. We are still a state country. 
and you know understanding the perspective and then going abroad you know you, you know you you really you know it brings the right balance you know to your perspective like you know what you exactly want to do and i'm very happy that you know uh, you know i found myself within all of the experiences that i i you know i endured yeah it's so interesting i'm i'm so fascinated to hear a bit more about what exactly it was like growing up there, you know, what was your day-to-day, you know, you talked about being quite, you know, the country being quite reserved and you were really scared, you know, talk to us a little bit about Safath, the early years. Yeah, um, you know, as a teenager and as as a young person, I was very, I think I was very reserved, you know, like, and, you know, I was quite afraid as well at times. And, uh, and I was more or less, I was very friendly, but, you know, I was not shy from speaking, but I was very reserved from doing things, you know, out in the open. But, you know, the, the exposures that I gained, and I, I obviously am very thankful to the education that I got. Uh, I think it empowered me, you know. And, you know, look, looking back, you know, the most important thing I think that can empower a woman, you know, is education. And that is very important that, you know, we, you know, coming from a country like Maldives, coming from a sick country like Maldives, coming from a South Asian country, you know, I think that's the most important message that I, I want to give, you know, the best way, and you know, you know, that we can empower, you know, women and girls is giving them the right to, you know, uh, quality education. And I think it, it really made, made a major impact in my life because, uh, you know, when I was very young, I was quite reserved and uh, I was quite, you know, I was not even a very good student to be very honest. <laughs> I mean, in terms of grades, yeah, in terms of grades and uh, not not wanting to give the bad message, not wanting to give a bad message to all the students out there. It's not just only, you know, like a good grace, you know. It's about, you know, you know, it's about the mix of everything that you get. It's about practical education as well. You know, it's it's about theoretical education as well, academic education as well. And I think that looking back, you know, like I think that, you know, the most important Thing that we all have to do together, you know, in, in, as an entire world or as an entire globe is to advocate and to, you know, do whatever in our capacity to empower women, you know, with women and girls with the right to education. Yeah. So, so fascinating. I couldn't agree more. So let's talk a little bit about your education then. So, you know, at the ripe age of, I'm guessing, around 18, 19, you moved to, I think you firstly went to Malaysia and you you went to Monash University there. So the the Monash University branch over there and you studied banking and finance. You know, talk to us a little bit about what it was like to leave the country and, and move your entire life to, to go and study abroad. Talk to us a little bit about how you felt at the time, a little bit about, you know, really take us back to that moment when you had, you know, decided to leave and and go off and and go and study. You know, actually, quite interestingly, you know, like it was never planned. You know, like 
for me, I really thought that, you know, uh, because, you know, at a young age, our family also had big rock bottom, you know, so we had our own struggles. So I was not in the view that uh, I would have the opportunity to go to, back to abroad, you know, that was not, you know, anything that was ever, uh, you know, like, you know, at, at being at like a 16, 17 year old, like I never thought it was, we, we, we really hit rock bottom. So, you know, it, it was quite bad times we, we faced. And we were in a situation where we were like, you know, like it was never going to happen. So it happened and, and God willing it happened. And I'm thankful to God and to my, to my family, of course. And it happened, it happened in, in such a fast way, you know. <laughs> it happened so rapid and so robust that, it really, I think, you know, it really changed my life. And, uh, yeah, I had a very good experience. I still remember uh, Monash. And uh, I spent about, <laughs> not only Monash, I was also in uh, doing my A-levels in Malaysia as well. So uh, about three to five years I was in, in Malaysia. And, uh, yeah, I got to meet a lot of people. I... I, I got to interact with a lot of, you know, ethnic people from different backgrounds. And it was such a very interesting experience. You know, when I was, you know, like in, in Maldives, I was just a very reserved person. But when I went to, when I went abroad, you know, it, everything changed. You know, it empowered me and uh, it empowered me and, you know, like gave me the courage, I think, you know. And and the fun part was that, you know, coming back to Maldives, you know, coming back to my country, you know, it empowered me even more. You know, it was like, you know, like I, I have to make use of my education and I have to give back to our community. And it was time to do that. And that was when we decided, you know, it was time. We have to come together as a nation to empower women and to empower girls. Yeah. And today, very proudly, Maldives is considered by you know some of the organizations such as the World Bank as a country whereby women's rights have been you know adequately or moderately achieved. So we are going. Ten years back, we we did not even achieve the you know MDG goals you know when it comes to women's rights, but now. You know, 10 years later, look at us now. You know, we are a country whereby, you know, we are going there. At least we are trending up. So, yeah. Can you give us a bit more of an insight into kind of what you meant by 10 years ago, women's rights like, really weren't a thing and now they're better? Like, what does that mean? You know, what what were your our rights as women 10 years ago in the Maldives? Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think I think ten years ago, you know, it was a very taboo topic uh, itself. You know, empowering women, and you know, I want to put I want to put this in the very right phrases so that it doesn't come out sensitive. <laughs> to say it in a very uh, uh, simple way, I think you know, uh, women were very reserved even 10 years ago, you know, women were not very empowered to you know attain an education. If you see a bit of uh, maybe two generations above me, we can see that there are women who have not been, you know, given, uh, you know, opportunities in their lives. And this is not just education. There were women who are educated. There are women who are educated, even like 
you know, my mom's age, you know, there are many women who are educated, you know, but they ended up being housewives, you know, or, or they ended up, you know, you know, having no means of economic independence, you know, but 10 years later now, I mean, I'm just taking just like a, a you know, time frame of a 10 years, you know, and today, 2020, we are seeing in Maldives, women are like the highest number of graduates in comparison with men. And women are, of course, even in civil service positions, women are, you know, quite significantly represented. But still, uh, women are mostly represented in basket role jobs. So we are advocating for more women in leadership. Obviously, there have been progress as well. You know, we are seeing, you know, the first time quota being uh, the first time ever, you know, political representation quota being implemented in the Maldives, whereby this is going to be the first time ever 33%, you know, of women will be represented in the local council. So <clears throat> this is 10 years now. And, you know, even looking at the political arena, you know, like women are mostly, women are highly active in the political life as activists, as advocates, as campaign managers for men candidates, <laughs> you know. So, and now women are coming forth as candidates as well. So, I think 10 years ago, you know, we had like no women out on the street to, we are having, you know, we are having like a 33% quota whereby women are demanding seats you know, to be allotted for women and women are also coming out forward. So, and I hope that another 10 years from now, you know, we, we're going to see even more progress. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's just so, it's just so, so interesting. And I really appreciate you sharing this with us. I think, you know, when you, when you're in the Western world, you can sometimes get a little bit caught up in the, in the things that maybe don't really matter as much. And, and we kind of take for granted the fact that we can go easily to school and, and get an education that the government pays for and, and then go on to do further studies. Like it's really quite interesting how in the Western world, you know, sometimes we don't even think about it as being our right. And so I really appreciate you bringing this to light because it's still just, I mean, as you've said, it's still not even the case today. And, and even though it's getting better um, in other parts of the world. So, I want to get a little bit, I guess, personal with you around why, you know, where this passion has really stemmed from for you. You know, as you said, when you came back from all your studies, you could have easily gotten a white collar job and, and, you know, just be living your life, you know, but, but why, you know, was there a personal experience you had as a child that made this so you want to dedicate really your life to this? Like, you know, can you talk to us a little, can you perhaps share something that you would never usually share on a podcast or, you know, in a professional setting that so that we can kind of get to know your story a little bit better yeah I think yeah I I, I think I've never shared this but I think I think you know like I, I I don't only think I for sure I know that you know my mother was one of the biggest inspiration and motivation for me to do that uh, and she she experienced uh, you know enormous uh, 
things in her life and some of it i will share of course but some of some of it i will not and uh, you know she 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 was also forced into a, a marriage uh, when she was not of legal age and you know some of the things that she endured you know it really motivated me and it really encouraged me you know to do uh, something you know out of the box box and 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 to create a meaningful impact and to leave a meaningful impact in in our community and and, and that was i think that was, that is i think itself one of the biggest uh, motivation uh, you know for me behind whatever i did because because my mom always tells me you know like and my parents of course that you know like you know even though you are uh, you know a girl don't feel any less <laughs> you know and they always you know they always, especially my mom she really really empowered i think she empowered all her daughters and she only had daughters as also one thing i think you know we are a very pro women family <laughs> and and this is uh, this yet again another another you know motivation uh, uh, there as well and you know the advice and the guidance that she gave me in my life i think it overall you know you know gave me a lot of courage and i have always i'm always up for a challenge you know like it's not it's not always about winning you know it's 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 not always about losing or winning it's about doing the right thing you know and no matter no matter how much of a challenge that is and you know past couple of years you know it's not always been up you know ups you know it's, it's it has been a challenging road you know honestly and and you know i'm i'm very happy and i have to give credit to to everybody who support and who are with us as well and you know it's the it's their hard work as well and uh, i hope together as a community we will come out of it come out of this stronger and you know i hope that the next 10 years you know or over the next 5 years you know maldives will be ranked as a country where women's rights are highly achieved you know mm. yeah oh, so amazing so can you talk to us a little bit about building the organization so you talked about the challenges you said there there were so many challenges in the early years could you talk to us about what those challenges were you know and, and what were the some of the steps that you took to really get the organization off the ground yeah when uh, we had the idea to incorporate women and democracy i was jobless by the way <laughs> really i had no job <laughs> I did not had any even like I would say I did not even had a freelance uh, work and because I wanted to focus as well I wanted to give it uh, uh, you know focus and time as well because it was at the very early stages and interestingly to just name the organization also you know it took us like two or three weeks I remember you know just to give the name <laughs> because we wanted to you know make it a movement and and the name should should really reflect uh you know what we were advocating for and what we were fighting for and uh, at that time of course maldives was in a situation whereby we were having we were experiencing you know a, a lot of deterioration in uh, you know the democratic rights uh, uh, trampling of our democracy and uh, you know we were mostly going into a very autocratic you know government at that time and 
things were not also that easy at that time, especially, you know, registering, you know, NGOs or CSOs or, or movements as such was very, very difficult. But for us, uh, it, it took us about three to four months, I remember, at that time. Now, to register an NGO, obviously, it takes just a couple of days. <laughs> so that was also one thing. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, even finances, you know, like literally when we registered the NGO, we were zero. You know? <laughs> like these were, <laughs> you know, a lot of uh, challenges that we faced. And, you know, the first six months, you know, like if I, I can say I can I, I really vividly remember, you know, everybody was working for free. There was it was just it was not just working for free, you know, because everybody was working passionately, you know. They they truly believed in what they were fighting for and what they were involved in. So it was it was passion, it was a lot of energy, positive energy, and it you know, it really um kept us going. You know, even though we we knew that we were not, you know, uh, uh, financially stable, even though we eventually had to do that because the team members should also be given sustenance. So at first it was not. So I would say it was like six to eight months. It was just, you know, we were all jobless and we were doing <laughs> all, of, all of that. So, so that, that was a challenge, you know, because not all of us come from, not all of us, not, not even one of us came from, you know, very rich family or, you know, or whereby we, we could support ourselves. But today, we're very happy because the organization is so well established and doing meaningful work every year. And also, you know, giving economic opportunities uh, by giving jobs to the team members involved, you know. So, so it's very uh, sustainable, I would say. And when we, that's what we created. And that's, that's what we intended to create, a sustainable model and a long-lasting impact that we will we'll be working towards, you know, for the rest of our lives until we achieve, you know, this mission of having women at the top in this country. So, so incredible. Can you fill in the blanks there? You said that, you know, for those first six to eight months, you no one was making, you know, there was no money. Everyone was just getting by, you know, you're working for free, you know, and then now four and a half or four years later, four or five years later, you guys are a fully fledged, amazing organization. You talk to us, can you talk to us a little bit about how you, you know, potentially, you know, the, the first time you got some money into the organization and how you went about that and, and what that process was like. Um, so we actually uh, made a strategic plan and that strategic plan was for three to five years, which we already achieved. <laughs> and our main aim, uh, you know, in, in the strategic plan was to create a meaningful impact every year. So to do that, we what we could have done was, and when we brainstormed, was we, we can implement a very important project and execute and provision that every year. And to date, we are doing that. You know, every year we have a year-long project, you know, which, which automatically generates funding as well so that it gives sustenance to our uh, members who are, you know, working full time on that. And also, you know, giving them a platform whereby they could also, you know, be, you know, they could also do what they're passionate about. 
So, so it was a win-win situation, you know. And we were we have been doing a, a meaningful project every year for for Maldives as well for for Maldives. And when we first got our project, also, you know, I think the you know what we had was equal representation, and that's that's what we did, you know. No matter what we wanted to do, we, we wanted to have equal representation at the board, equal representation in our management level, and also, you know, equal opportunities for, for people, even, you know, with special abilities to join our team. Yeah, so we had a mix of, you know, everyone, and 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 that was what we we wanted to, that was how we wanted to lay our foundation on. And today also it is such. And every year we are implementing a very important and a meaningful project every single year. And it's, the project goes year long. Like, for example, our current project is stri strictly focused on the local council elections and on the impending local council elections, whereby we are training women candidates who are, have gotten the quarter seats and also women candidates who are contesting for non-quarter seats as well. And to date, we have trained about 271 plus women who, wow. and all of them are contesting in the upcoming elections. And we empowered them with, you know, modules and knowledge and education such as uh, public speaking, you know, briefs on uh, democracy and human rights. Uh, you know, we also helped them to create a campaign strategy and how they can, you know, execute a very effective campaign strategy. So, yeah, that, that's that's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love it. You know, the work you're doing is just so incredible, Sefath. I mean, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for all of the brilliant work that you're doing, you know, for and, you know, for really showing us, I guess, in particularly us women and women of colour that, you know, if we have a dream or if we have a passion and, and a goal, that we actually can go out there and do it, regardless of how hard it is, regardless of even our country saying, no, we can't, we actually can. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Of course. So, our final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, and that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? The value, I I think you know you know it's 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 uh, infinitive, definitely. You know, there's no price tag that you can put uh, on chasing your passion and. Uh, if I am to give any message to 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 my younger self and to to youth, you know, uh, you know, go after your dreams and and do what what you're passionate about, and that will give your life, you know, so much purpose and even you know even stability. If you if 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 we are thinking about you know having the right smart economics formula for your life or for your future, you know, because you know I I can even say to myself, you know, that you know we have done fairly well. You know, we have had struggles, and you know we are also in a stable position today. So. So, you know, there is nothing, I, I don't think anybody can put a, put a price tag 
on on you know chasing your passion because because that will help you find yourself that will give you purpose to, to your life and you know i think looking back you know on your <laughs> 70s bed you'll be like yeah i did something with my life and that's that just fulfills everything yeah ah Safat, ladies and gentlemen, oh my goodness, we have had a blast. You are truly amazing. Where can people learn more about you and your work? Yeah, uh, so you guys can go on facebook.com, uh, uh, WD Maldives. And you could also follow us on Twitter at uh, women underscore democracy. We will also be launching our website. We, we, we had to take it temporarily down to do some renovation on it and we'll be launching our website as well and you could go to our website at www.womendemocracy.org if you would like to get in touch with our team please feel free to do so at info at womendemocracy.org and we of course welcome uh, any foreigner all foreigners also uh, in our work, online workshops please feel feel free to join in we do have a small upcoming workshop on women's economic uh, empowerment whereby we are giving a small training for women to empower women in business and you're also most welcome to join and yeah do keep in touch and uh, all greetings from Maldives and you know have a blast Amazing. So great. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again, Safath. It's been absolutely awesome. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>